This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds. Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Hello, and welcome to Fay It Forward. I'm Meredith Caston, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, Nick. Hi. Today, we are so excited to welcome Alex Howland. She is the owner and founder of both Alex Victoria Events and Dovetail NWA. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much, Meredith and Nick. It's so exciting to be here. It's great to have you here. Yes. Thanks. Would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Yes. I'm the owner of Alex Victoria Events and Dovetail NWA, which is a new organization here in Northwest Arkansas. It's really exciting. We just launched this year. And I've been a native of South Fayetteville for the last seven years, I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. And I absolutely love Fayetteville. It is my home. My husband's job with the city of Fayetteville brought us here. And it's really just been an exciting journey ever since. I am a podcast lover, so I'm so excited to be here. And I also just have a fantastic group of friends. I've really never had such community as I have since living in Fayetteville. It's been really incredible to start my business here and just really find my own sense of self as well as my purpose here in this area. So I love that so much, especially because every day we're like, gosh, we have such a sense of community here. Yeah. And yeah. So it's really great to hear that someone moving from within Arkansas had that same feeling when comparing to Little Rock. Yeah. Totally. It's <laughs> totally a different vibe here. <laughs> oh, it's special. We love yeah. it. It's very special. Well, this is a great time to kind of launch in and talk about Dovetail. I'd love to hear a bit more about it. I was actually at your last event. Yes. It was really fun. Yeah. But I would love to hear more about it and your goals, especially any that you have that align with our particular passions here on this podcast, active transportation, smart urbanism, affordable housing, and of course, public transportation. So you may or may not know this about me yet, but I love a good challenge. And I was like, how can I tie Dovetail to these very specific different things, (laughs) public transportation, smart development? And then I realized Dovetail is about a community. It's Mm -hmm. community building. We are trying to encourage uh, local entrepreneurs to really get out there and build their businesses and just really do the damn thing, honestly. And so really connecting them together as community leaders and business owners. I thought about it and I was like, wow, okay, they actually are 100% tied to affordable housing, public transportation. We are serving the people who are within these different areas. So, for example, sustainable growth. One of the things that I've personally noticed with entrepreneurs especially is that they are so willing to just like step up and do it. They want to grow businesses here. They may last for two years. Great. (laughs) It was two years of, Mm -hmm. you know, success. And maybe it changes their look at a downtown area or where they want to live or do they want to be able to walk to work. That active transportation is huge here. And we're so connected by the trail system that it actually is pretty attainable. We have these scooters all over town, which I know a lot of people hate. But oh, we love I, them. I actually, <laughs> I'm, 
I was kind of on the fence. My partner, Devin, he was part of the efforts of getting those here. And it was, yeah, it was really cool. And so at first I was like, oh God, I just hate those because they're just so annoying. And you see them on the street, people throw them all over the place. However, there's actually a fascinating study that like a huge percentage of students that don't have cars actually use those to get around, to get to class and to get to the downtown areas, to get their groceries. And so I was just thinking about how entrepreneurs who maybe aren't making a corporate salary, how they can start to use bikes to get to work if they're near these more urban or downtown spaces, if they can use this public transportation that is pretty readily available here to us and also free, by the way, like Mm -hmm. the Ozark Regional Transit. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, we use it. It's free. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Like, I just found out about this and I've lived here for seven years. It's like free Uber. (laughs) It's like free Uber. Yeah. I've heard it can take a while, but, you know, for someone who doesn't have a car, it's better than walking in the rain and taking even longer. So, yeah. And then just as far as affordable housing, that's probably... Something I harp on more than anything, I think, in my role and in my life, but I am very privileged to have a two-income household. Not a lot of people have that opportunity. I believe that we can get back to having more affordable housing, especially for our workforce. And shockingly, entrepreneurs make up a lot of that workforce, right? Because they're like in the grind day to day. They're probably not making over six figures like a lot of our corporate salary holders have. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just really interesting that Dovetail somehow fulfills this role for it's a free program so you can either pay for it or you can attend for free and we're connecting people across all the different industries so that they have the opportunity to meet people that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise so I hope that I brought all that back together I feel like I kind of went in a roundabout way there but (laughs) yeah and and one thing that came to mind while you were saying all that is I was thinking how for so many women who want to own businesses I've I've spoken to quite a few female like food truck owners and and the like and some of them are saying well I want a place that's permanent that would get more traffic and we always think well what if you just did something trail adjacent so that Ooh, you yeah. could get right along the trail and then she could take the trail down from where she lives in I believe Rogers yeah those she might move to Fayetteville so. yeah Ooh, but I yeah. mean I think about how so many women I transportation. And being alone at night, especially if you're in the restaurant industry, can feel kind of dangerous. So being able to be located as close as you can to where you have your business and then also have it still be affordable would be the dream. And I think so many women would do that and they would take more chances if they felt safe. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious to hear, you said you've lived here now for quite a few years, your observations of how the city has changed Mm. in positive and negative ways. Yeah, I think that's a great question. So... (laughs) I have been in South Fayetteville for a while, and it has changed. Man, I I can't even really put into words how much it's changed because all of my neighbors have changed. You know, there's a lot of Airbnbs, which when we first moved here, that wasn't even really allowed. And then there was a lot of fights over that for many months and maybe even years uh, in our city council. But at first, when we moved here, people were always walking. People were always out and about at pretty much all hours of the day. Like I would wake up at 6 a.m. and a morning person. So be up at 6 a.m. outside and I'd see people walking their dogs. Um, That definitely still happens. But I do feel that there has been less community the last couple years than when we first moved here. We're in a really good place that we know all of our neighbors. That is not the case in most neighborhoods. So I'm very grateful for that. However, once some of the more like established homes that have been there for 
you know, decades kind of went away because they were condemned or whatever the case was. They moved out and it moved out kind of some of the original Fayetteville's. And so it just is so much different now with basically being surrounded by mostly college students, which isn't bad necessarily. It's just a different vibe. So I am a 34-year-old woman and a business owner and someone who loves to walk to work or to downtown or to experience things, whereas there's a college student probably from Texas with a very, very large truck, and they're blocking both sides of the street because they just don't know how to park. And, uh, you know, that's just not like a super desirable area to live in after you experienced a very different side of it for many, many years. And I think what's interesting about that is that we've talked on previous episodes of the podcast about how the university enrollment keeps going up and Mm -hmm. we're not keeping up pace with housing. And so it seems like a lot of the reason for that is that the students don't have enough housing right next to the university. So they're spilling out into all the adjacent neighborhoods. And that's probably part of it, I would think. Yeah, it absolutely is. And if you think about it, a lot of these students don't have cars, probably. In, we are actually moving from Fa- South Fayetteville, which is bittersweet in lots of ways. But one thing that I've noticed at this new house, even though we haven't moved in yet, is that there are always students walking in front of the house, which I did not think would be a thing because it's close to Weddington, which is a very busy and very dangerous street. And also there's no intersection or crossing. So I'm already going to be going in and asking for a crossing to be on Weddington, which I know a lot of people are going to probably hate me and that's fine. But we have to, I mean, we have to make things more walkable, especially for these students. Like the last thing I want to hear as a citizen of this area is that somebody got hit by a car, which I do know happens very sadly more often than people hear about. And so those students that don't have cars, they're walking to campus, they're probably living too far from campus. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember my college experience, I could get to my campus in three minutes on a bike. And I don't know why we don't have more bikes that are easily and readily available in town. I don't know why we don't have more student housing like right next to the campus. I think there's so much that we could do there. Um, I think it's an effort from all ends, though. I think it's citizens driving it. I think it's the university supporting it and advocating for it. And I actually think it's a state. Like, I think it's actually Mm -hmm. a state issue more than it is a city issue. I think the city can push and the citizens can push, but our university is state funded. And that is a, a line that kind of gets drawn, unfortunately, sometimes that people don't realize. That's such a good point. And I really want to come back to that in just one moment. And before I forget, okay, bike shares. When we first moved here, I think they had been doing one of those VO back when they had e-bike shares. And I was so excited and we saw the signs and then we didn't see that. And I do see that the spin bikes are around, but then they're kind of unreliable. Sometimes I can't find them. And I really feel like it's a numbers situation and I could be totally wrong. I I think most of these companies, I think they just, like, like I said, numbers, they go off what's the actual usage of the different types. And the reality is most people, I think if they're using them, especially students, they're like, I don't want to exert any physical effort into this. And so they're just like, I'm going to take the scooter. And so Mm. I think while a lot of us might prefer having some sort of e-bikes type situation that might not be the norm here. And uh, so my middle-aged self is like, oh, well, we can get some heart health activity involved. And then also, but yeah, I always think about the bike share thing, but I'd love to hear more about, okay, the state level influence of the university or what you know, or maybe even what you don't know that you'd like us to dig into in a future episode, because I think that is 
an important conversation that we should have. And we love talking through problems, even if that whoever we have on doesn't know the solution. Maybe you just have the right questions, which is, I feel like, half the battle. That's a great point, because I don't know much. I just know that there's been times that I've said things to different people in the area that I'm like, oh, well, the university could. And they're like, well, go to the state. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, that's a lot harder than going to your city council and saying like, hey, we need this to happen. I actually was on um, a committee called Town and Gown Committee, which yes. is a collaboration of the university and uh, the, the city council. But we didn't get anything done. I mean, and I hate to say that because, you know, I think our city's doing really great things. And also my partner does work for them. And, you know, I have a lot of friends in the city. But even someone like me who actually has quite a bit of knowledge about what he does and what they do at the city, you know, I still don't have answers. So I can't even imagine what an everyday citizen who doesn't have access to that information mm -hmm. thinks or knows because it's it's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy to figure it out. I think if they just want to get funding, they just have to say it's for lecterns. I was going to make that joke and then I didn't. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. I was going to be like, oh, there's 20K out there for a lectern. Yeah, yep, probably. It's, it's, it's a low-hanging fruit as yeah. a, for a joke. I mean, no, it's a good one. Um, you, we had talked just now about Airbnbs as part of the issue and the changes you've seen. And I'm not anti-Airbnb per se, although I do think that there should be limits and kind of keep too many all being in one spot, that kind of thing. One thing that I think will help solve this problem is having adequate hotel resources in the city. And there is a new development that has been discussed recently about a hotel in downtown Fayetteville. There's a lot of people talking about it. I'm curious what you think about that and how that plays into Airbnb. And I know your husband is involved in that effort yes. as well. <laughs> Just yes on hotels. <laughs> People don't realize that Airbnbs originated because it was a person who was leaving for the weekend or maybe a month to go somewhere else and visit. And they were literally renting their home that they live in on a daily basis out every now and then. And now it has just become people purchasing homes that should be family or even multi-family homes. And then they are renting them solely as Airbnbs, and they are not living in them. They're just an empty house Monday through Thursday, and then they are full on the weekends of 12 people. <laughs> who don't um, care about the community at all. Who don't care, yeah, and who park anywhere they want, whether there's a sign that says you'll be towed away or not. And so, yeah, we've had to deal with this, and it's super frustrating as a citizen who lives here. And I have nothing against Airbnbs. I use them. I use them anytime I'm going to visit a place usually because they're great and affordable and, and all the things. However, a lot of the ones that I'm going to are actually people's homes because they're in large cities and that's the way that they can pay their rent through the month. So it's just different, I think, depending on where you are. But you know, a lot of investors have just come in and purchased up these homes that could be a family home. And it's just kind of unfortunate to see how many there are that are just empty Monday through Thursday. So <laughs> hotels. So here's the deal. We have had the same inventory of hotels for like the greater 10 years or so, maybe even longer. There may have been a few that have popped up, but they're usually not super desirable. And they're usually not in walkable towns. And if you are flying in to see your child for the weekend... You don't have a car, <laughs> so you want to be in an area where you can walk to the university, see where they live. You want to be able to see where they get to go down on Dixon and on the weekends, et cetera. And so having another 
location that has, I don't know how many rooms that hotel's going to have, but even if it's 100, that is huge. And the amount of Airbnb usage would probably actually drop pretty significantly. And I think our citizens would actually really appreciate it. I just think people are so anti-development sometimes because they just see, oh my gosh, it's going to destroy a parking lot. Really? Yeah, there's (laughs) been a lot of weird stuff there. (laughs) Like what? So you'd rather have a single layer of parking than a three or four story parking deck, which is more parking, number one. And then also having a hotel in a place that was serving just cars, like it just doesn't, I don't know, the, the, the math ain't mathin'. Like I don't get it. <laughs> it seems to me that a lot of it is, yeah, it is anti-development of any kind, even though I don't think a lot of people tie in the Airbnb stuff. They'll, they'll say, I hate Airbnbs, but I hate hotels. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, that you have to support one or the other. Yeah. There's no way around this. Yeah. And I think also when buildings get tall, people freak out which i mean look i get it there's an aesthetic that people like and i totally appreciate that and we do have a history here of having nature and the rolling hills and it is kind of sad sometimes when you lose these kind of nice views but that said we are growing there's really no way around this Mm -hmm. and you have to just grow or die as a city yeah would you rather grow in your center or sprawl to Mm -hmm. where people are now having to drive 20 and 30 minutes into your core. Mm -hmm. I also find myself thinking, yeah, but you're gaining new views. You're now being able to see from these higher buildings a whole new vantage point. Like here in the library where we're recording, you can go outside and take in these sweeping views of the mountains from this elevated viewpoint. And so I think sometimes it just stems from fear, which I understand because I think a lot of decisions are based on fear, but a lot of bad decisions are made on fear. And we all want things to be the same as they were during certain parts of our lives that we sort of romanticize, right? Um, And I think It could be any phase of your life when you had a really good experience. But then if you want things to stay the same, then you're robbing future generations of opportunities by doing that. And and that's the situation is like we're going to grow no matter what. So if we don't get creative about our solutions, then it's going to be even worse. So we might as well talk about these mixed use buildings, that parking deck that everybody was so opposed to. The bottom layer is going to be stores yeah walkable stores it's and then cool they're unpaving paradise we're gonna have this gorgeous stream running through downtown i think it's gonna be spectacular and maybe people can kind of think about it from well yeah the parking garage might not be your ideal situation but it's fateville we're gonna like give fateville some credit we're gonna do it the right way and, and stop complaining about parking and then complaining about a parking deck <laughs> stop oh last thing before we move on Same with the Airbnb thing. I just want to say we moved here and stayed in an Airbnb for four weeks while we were figuring out, do we want to do this move? And that was something that would have been impossible at any of the hotels around here because we have cats. And so I never want to come across like we don't like Airbnbs because I think there's a a time and a place for them. But it's exactly your point of saying, okay, well, maybe they're just being leveraged for these expensive Mm -hmm. weekends and then sit empty during the weeks. I think maybe there are some ways that we could work with some of the Airbnb owners to say, hey, maybe we can help some of the people who need temporary housing, but they have pets or they have whatever it is that's kind of a unique situation. What about for like three months while they figure out? how to manage fire damage in their main yeah. lodging. Anyway, I'd love that. Yeah. Well, so you, I know you're also involved with event planning for ULI, which is the Urban Land Institute. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah. So Urban Land Institute, um, it is an amazing organization. I actually run their core programs, which are pretty much all of the outside facing events. So all of the things that we're doing, you know, that are bringing speakers in from like nationally recognized speakers, for example, we just had experts in ale a few weeks ago with Giovanni Pallavicini, and he is an expert in flex office space and what that looks like. And so we kind of explored the future of flex office, which is very big, especially here, especially with that's happening. You know, I know it's not in Fayetteville, but with the Walmart campus in Bentonville, like what is that going to look like in a few years? It's probably still like seven years out. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) um, what does that look like for the people here living in Fayetteville that work in Bentonville? Can they continue to be flexible? Mm -hmm. And so things like that, it's just really interesting. We also do a lot of development projects. We focus on showing those off. And then we have a young leaders group, which really focuses on bringing in amazing mentors and speakers to give our young leaders in the real estate and land use space kind of insight into the future of their careers. And then we have the Spring Symposium, as well as the Place Summit. I actually don't do much with the Place Summit, but I do a lot of the like background logistics, but I don't do any of the actual programs as far as that goes. But Place Summit is one one of our largest events that we host throughout the year. So, but yeah, I just, the goal is to continue to bring together thought leaders from around the area in the land use industry and really just shape the future of the built environment, which is exactly what we're talking about. So it's really fitting for Mm -hmm. your podcast. Uh, But one of the things that I love so deeply about the organization is that we have the resources to explore topics that I think others are maybe a little scared of Mm -hmm. because we're not tied to a foundation or Mm -hmm. a very specific uh, organization per se. We are tied to a national organization that is a huge advocate for building a better environment Mm -hmm. because like you said, we can't grow without change. And so just making sure that we are commanding what we want as citizens and developers and And there's a lot of red tape. I mean, there's a lot of red tape to build here. I don't know if you guys have explored that topic before, but just to build something in Fayetteville is really, really hard. And so we're bringing together different people from across all the industries so that hopefully in the future we can actually change some of that and make it easier for these developers, the good ones especially, to come in and build good developments that are actually going to help and empower our citizens when they're here. When you say it's difficult to build, I'm curious, is that largely policy that can be changed by the city? I am not an expert, but from what I've heard, yes. Okay. There's a lot. So my understanding is, and this is just my understanding, is that there's a lot of old restrictions that were built into our bylaws or whatever they're called many, many decades ago and maybe even longer. And they have just not been updated, Mm -hmm. like just simply not updated. Yeah, Yeah. that's a pretty common refrain that we hear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, zoning. Right. Old zoning. Yes. Yeah. Old zoning. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm curious, too. You said good developments and we want to promote good developments. Do you have some thoughts on what good, smart development would be in a city like Fayetteville? Like imagining that we didn't have restrictions on zoning and bylaws and all of these words I don't fully understand yet. Yeah, Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) So, So my, you know, I would say my like dystopian view of it would be um, utopian. Utopian, yes, yes you're right. Yes, yes, yes. utopian. <laughs> my my utopian view. There we go. Is uh, that if you have good development that is sustainable, number one, because everybody 
here in Fayetteville, especially of in, as far as the Northwest Arkansas region goes, everyone in Fayetteville is really high on sustainability efforts. Mm-hmm. And there are some huge, huge things happening across the land use industry for mass timber being used, which we actually have several mass timber buildings here on the University of Arkansas campus. People don't even know what mass timber is. I was going to ask. <laughs> Could you tell us a little more? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So to keep it really short. So mass timber is basically like super compressed wood that is taken from sustainable forests and it's used to build buildings. So nice. Yeah. You wouldn't think that wood is more sustainable, but it actually is significantly more sustainable. It is more costly. But if you think about it, you can rebuild a forest in a matter of years, whereas concrete will like never stop emitting emissions like ever. And it's just really bad. So anyways, Ah. I don't know a lot about mass timber, but I do know that it's it's far more sustainable. And it's a market that hasn't really been able to come to the top yet like it there's just not enough i think background and there's not enough projects out there yet that they can actually say like oh here's a good case study to show you like this is sustainable for the future well i think there's always a little bit of a conflict between trying to get a project done for cheaper and then doing the doing the quote-unquote right thing and then also kind of coming back to what you said about having to kind of fight with the city or zoning whatever that Mm -hmm. takes away resources and so then they're even more cash strapped and they're like well we have to just do let's do some concrete you know yep yeah or the cheapest materials possible which is in the in the end really bad not only for us but just for the future of our our world Uh, yeah so smart development just being super like super sustainable or as as sustainable as you can be and then building in a way that promotes healthy living i think that is really big there's actually a really cool development that's going into bentonville where it's on a corner it is it's a really dense, really, really dense. I think it's multifamily living is what I've been told. And then each of the townhomes have a courtyard and those courtyards face each other. Uh. And then there's a community courtyard in the middle. And so not only are you creating that, hey, I want to be able to talk to my neighbor. You're also creating that. Also, I'm going to meet new people in this Mm -hmm. courtyard. So you're kind of creating two points of contact, if you will, with your neighbors, which hopefully they use it and hopefully they feel safe and like they can go into those spaces because safety is not just necessarily like a concern that somebody's going to hurt you. Right. It's a it's a do I feel like I belong here? Yes. And so I think people off like often forget about that part Mm -hmm. of safety. So, yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, and I guess just like being close to resources. So you don't have to necessarily build a smart development in the core of downtown because like if you look at it, there's literally no space. <laughs> like we don't have any land here, at least in the Fayetteville core because it's one of the older parts of the region. But you can build a cool dense area in West Fayetteville, but get it close to the resources. Get it as close to the trails you can. Get it as close to the neighborhood market as you can because the more walkability you have, the more people you have on the streets, the safer people are going to feel, like, no matter what, no mm-hmm. matter where you are. If you have people walking their dogs or children or playing out, out on the streets, that and it sounds kind of weird, but, like, out on the trails or close to the trails, like, you're going to feel safer. You just are. So That's true. Speaking of the trails, I'm curious, do you use the trails and how do you use them? That's a great question. So, yes, I do use the trails. I wish I used the trails to get from my home to my office, but there's not really a connecting trail. So I I use the trails for 
truly for like activity. So yeah, biking, recreation. yeah, recreational running. I'm a big, I'm an avid runner. Well, I used to be. Haven't ran in a while because of an injury. But previously, you know, I was on the trail system every single weekend running. And I don't love that they did the concrete personally. I have some big feelings about it, but. <laughs> oh, is it just because of the oh, forces it's so on your knees and oh, everything? Oh, it's so hard on yeah. you. Yeah. Physical therapists here. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As excited as I am for them because I think yeah. they're, they last longer they and they're smoother. I, I like to skate. They're smooth for skating. You're right. But You're yeah, right. My, I definitely understand that yeah. side of things They too. were asphalt and then they repaved right. all of them with concrete. And so. Yeah. And I think it is just a longevity thing for the city. It's Totally. It's easier mm-hmm. to maintain. And it's interesting. I mean, this is a, a prime example of where you can never please everyone yeah. with anything nope. because there's always an, a downside, even to the best stuff, the best mm-hmm. um, well-intended plans always have some sort of yeah. downside. Everything's a compromise, which is why yeah. it's so hard to get things done sometimes. And then this is my shameless plug of injured runners, skate. Come skating. Yeah. <laughs> skate with me. Seriously. I've been hearing terms like community developers or com- community development groups. From what I understand with community developers, it's like a group of people who gets together and tries to create the types of developments that we recognize would be needed, say, in West Fayetteville or, or East Fayetteville, wherever maybe a mixed use development would need to go. And we can't depend on someone who doesn't live in that neighborhood to understand what we want and need. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm asking if you know anybody who has been talking about these ideas for Fayetteville. I don't know if there's any community developers here. However, I do know of like three or four women that have come together to create a development. It's in Rogers, I believe. But they are doing a small multifamily housing development in the Rogers area because it was kind of on the outskirts. It was probably more affordable for them to pull their money together so that they could each kind of bring their own uh, expertise to this. So I think that's a really great, at least to me, that's a really great example of what could be done. None of these people are millionaires, by the way. They're all, I would say, pretty normal, average people who just maybe know a little bit about investing, a little bit about real estate, or just interested in it. And they came together because they had a similar interest, and they were like, let's let's do this. I love that. So. And, and that kind of brings me to a topic that I've really been excited to chat with you on the mic about, because we've talked about it a little bit off the mic. But that is the idea that we have already gotten all of this sprawl in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Before these conversations were really happening about density and urbanism and walkability, We've really sprawled north, we've sprawled west, and I would love to hear some of your thoughts about uptown and making that more livable and West Fayetteville, East Fayetteville, basically anywhere outside of the general areas that are getting the urbanist treatment right now, like South Fayetteville and downtown. Yeah, it's really interesting. So we actually haven't, in Fayetteville specifically, I can't speak for any other part of the region, but Fayetteville specifically has not actually sprawled nearly as much as it could have because they actually put a cap on it a while ago, which was great. But they put that cap on it probably a little bit too late. But they did notice it was happening, at least at the city level. And they're like, nope, we got to quit this. Good, good. And so that did happen, which I think that's a great, great, great thing. And if a developer was going to try and sprawl anymore, they would be responsible for literally everything. Like the city would not be giving them any money to put in infrastructure, basically. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive. It's very Mm -hmm. expensive. So guess what? Developers don't want to pay those costs, so they don't go there. Uh, So it kind of brings me to a really good point of you can, at the city level, manipulate what you want your city to look like if you put the right policies in place. And I think that's really important to note. 
But as far as sprawl goes, I think Uptown is actually an interesting example because I love Uptown. Mm -hmm. I go to Uptown all the time. I I go to a lot of coffee shops there, go to a lot of places there. It is not walkable. Like it is all very large four and six lane streets uh, or highways, I guess, technically. It is the sidewalks that are there. There's just sadly a lot of people who maybe don't have a car or house and they are peddling, asking for money. And it just doesn't feel super welcoming to see that. And so, and it's just busy, like, right? It's just really a busy area. And downtown is busy too, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And you see the people walking. So Mm -hmm. you drive slower, right? You're not going 40 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, down near Joyce, like people are going 40 miles an hour on the street. And so I'm not going to walk on that road. Right. So there's been a big push, especially along college now that thankfully the city took over that. Uh, that was another huge win. The city took over college, which was state run for up until just a couple years ago. Um, that's why they were able to change the name and do all the improvements like and they got it done fast. And seeing the sprawl that's happened in Uptown is really interesting because if you think about it, it there's not housing like there's not places to live in that core area they're all kind of spread out there's actually several really big opportunities for some really cool housing developments to go in but people just aren't allowing it my partner Devin has talked a lot about putting some housing at the mall at the northwest Mm -hmm. arkansas mall oh my gosh yes how cool would that be like oh my gosh that'd be amazing so so much land that so much land and i I love the mall but you can you can build up there so mixed use mixed use and nobody perfect i feel like nobody can complain if you build up there because you can't see anything past there anyway no but you so, can't. someone will anyway somebody will complain because they love that's their favorite pastime and future time <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like that's the biggest parking lot i've maybe ever, ever seen like ever. it's insane how many spots there are like we don't need that and maybe at some point in the past that was like the spot and so you needed that much parking but man i don't know that it ever was i mean i would love for somebody to show me a photo in like it's prime time because yeah. I remember actually coming up here uh, to visit some friends in college, and I've already said my age on the podcast, so I don't mind. Uh, That was 14, probably 14 years ago, if not longer. And we went to the mall, like, because we were in college 14 years ago. And so, of course, the mall is like a place to go. And I remember going and thinking, this is a huge empty waste of space. If it was that way 14 years ago, please, please, somebody bring me evidence that it was ever hopping and popping because I just (laughs) don't believe it. (laughs) Maybe when it first opened, but you can actually look at different malls around the country and they're all the same. Yeah. Huge, vast parking lot that's empty. Yeah. Yep. Hashtag dead malls. I it's follow so that. It's so sad. Yeah. And it's it's almost just, I love it, dystopian. It but if you follow the yeah. hashtag dead malls, I guess it's on Instagram or oh one my of gosh, those. I love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fascinating to see what's happening to malls. But I was talking with my mom about this when she was in this past week about how she said, oh, I don't know what's happened with malls. They used to be so great. And I think for that generation, there really was this attraction to it. But that's because that was what that was the only thing that you could park your car and then walk around and get everything you needed. And so this attraction to malls almost stemmed from, this is my theory, they're hearkening back to like the 50s and 40s when they actually had walkable communities. So for them, the mall was like the closest you could get to that Mm -hmm. minus the living space. But that's what I think all of these conversations we're all having. It's like, let's combine what was best about the 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. before the suburban experiment and then take what we can, what we've learned about what worked with malls and what didn't work and then really make our cities reflect the best of both of those things. 
I would have a lot of haters like that I personally know for this, but <laughs> I think I think the mall itself could actually become like another mini downtown. Ooh, um, yes. if you think about it, yeah. if you think about how much space there is, you could create kind of a courtyard. Yes. You could create almost four corner four corners, if you will. You could create a quote unquote main street mm -hmm. and you could really anchor it. And Kinda then like you could Johnson. have some Yeah. It would be like another Johnson. Yeah. So I would cute. go even further and say have pedestrian only thoroughfares for the majority and narrow streets like cobblestone, yeah. narrow streets, oh. kind of like Europe. <gasps> Diagonally. Very yeah. Harry yes. Potter yeah. this thing. Yeah. Love that. But yeah. then you can have parking in certain strategic areas. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you have and you and look for the people who love the mall, I get it. It's kind of unique and interesting. Mm -hmm. But you could still have a lot of those businesses exist yes. in on the ground floor of a lot of these things and just make it a mixed use development. Yep. So and yeah. can we revisit an idea that Nick had on a really early podcast? Because yes. as long as we're dreaming, okay, he was talking about gondolas from downtown. Da gondola from downtown to Mount Sequoia. Oh what gosh. if we did that from every park to all the hotspots? So amazing. Underwood Park to the mall to downtown. So we just become like a mini ski town without oh the skis. Oh my gosh, yes, Disneyland <laughs> and ski town. I love I mean, this. this. This isn't the most like financially sound proposal, <laughs> but it's just more of a dreaming. Like, yeah. how cool would that be? It'd be kind of something Utopian. that- like, Yeah, yes. and, I, and I feel like, you know, it's kind of those kitschy things sometimes does, they draw people for tourism dollars, which could be useful for the city to gain revenue to, to fund better infrastructure. Who wouldn't want to visit a city that has all of these gondolas going from park to park and destination to destination? Can we actually like just touch base on tourism? Please. Yeah, of course. So, yes, yes, yes. Tourism is such an amazing thing, and I don't know why so many people are against it. Like, we have some major tourist attractions here in this area, and some things that like other cities will literally never have within 30 minutes mm -hmm. if you're going to drive. And so, I don't know why. I've actually talked to a lot of people about this, but that actually have a lot more knowledge than me, but like, a lightning rail is probably not actually realistic here because we just don't have the, the number of people that are needed to support that. However, I think there could be a really cool, like some type of like quick bus system where mm -hmm. you get in and you get on in Fayetteville and you go up to Bentonville or vice versa. Dedicated lane. Kinda. A dedicated. Yes. Yeah. Rapid it's almost, transit. Yeah. Rapid transit. It doesn't have to be a lightning rail. Like we don't have to think like Europe and everything, although I do love it, <laughs> you know, and they have lightning rails and it makes sense because there's millions of people we don't have millions of people and that's okay but i also think that there is a huge tourism piece to like tulsa to mm -hmm. Fayetteville like I mm -hmm. love to go to Tulsa for I a weekend too. it is mm -hmm. so fun they yes. have so many cool things that we don't have like I don't know West Elm Ikea or not Ikea Trader West Joe's. Elm and Trader Joe's thank yes. you <laughs> and so there is a huge tourism piece of the pie here and I don't think that we tap into that I agree. Like, I really don't. I have a theory on why this could potentially be the case. And I think there is this sense of we're at one point Fayetteville was considered kind of a hidden gem, undiscovered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is some resentment about people kind of like discovering it. And there's almost a gold rush mentality of all these people moving into this, quote, affordable area when we know it's not as affordable as it once was. And Nick and I have discussed this a number of times, but we have some guilt as far as being kind of part of the problem, moving in and contributing to things becoming less affordable. But I do think that resistance to tourism can sort of stem back to that. Mm -hmm. Having lived in San Diego, one thing that I noticed is there was a very, very much a lack of community there. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was such a tourist destination. So 
I am very pro-tourism here. I think it's a great idea. I think it will help us be fiscally sound and everything. And I think it will make the area vibrant and just bring so much to us. But I also think we should understand and respect people's concerns about it Mm -hmm. and do what we do best in Fayetteville, which is listen to people's feedback and say, like, we're promoting tourism what do you want to see? What what are some concerns you have? And just kind of mm-hmm. welcome feedback because, yeah. yeah, it might slow the development because when you solicit feedback, it slows development. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's important to respect and understand that there are longtime residents who will feel frustrated that with additional tourism comes additional recognition of the area. So you said something, Nick, about have just those thoroughfares for like pedestrians only. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would love to personally see that in downtown Fayetteville. Oh, yes. Well, I was, yes, I was yes, actually yes. going to ask you, what are some of your dream improvements to mm. the trail system? But this is sort of adjacent to that. So, yeah. so uh, tell us, tell us more. Yeah, because I live and work in downtown, my biggest thing is always more walkability in those areas because I live there. I work there. I literally am there all the time. I walk down the street and I see everybody I know. Which is great and also sometimes not great. But having that walkability is so key for those businesses. I'm not even just talking about for me as a pedestrian, but those businesses, if you know that people are going to be constantly walking in front of your business, one, you're going to be putting stuff outside. Mm -hmm. You're going to be Mm -hmm. finding ways to bring them into your shop. And I think that's a huge miss that we have the streets that are people can drive through all day long. And it's just... Even if it was just, I don't know, maybe we get rid of some of the parking, which I know people also want to hurt me for, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> not here, not on yeah, this show. I know, not on the show, but you know, <laughs> if people hear it for you know, my haters, they're going to be like, stop taking away parking. But at the end of the day, people will figure out where to park if they want to visit your business. But I think you're going to get more business if you have people constantly walking in front of your shop than you ever will with somebody parking because parking is great. We need it, of course, but also... We need people walking because if you go to some downtown areas and I won't get too, I won't go too (laughs) into detail here, but there are some downtown areas that are hopping all day long anytime those stores are open. And I don't see that in Fayetteville. And it's really confusing to me because I am there all the time. But, you know, I think it's because we just don't have a lot of businesses on the actual square that -hmm. are like open throughout those business hours that, you know, nine to seven. A lot of those shops are in uptown because they can't afford to be in downtown. And I get that. However, how do we kind of change that narrative so that more of those cool shops can be in that downtown area? I have a couple of solutions, a hotel downtown and more tourism. Yes. <laughs> and then, But speaking of uptown and everything, we were kind of talking about how do we fix some of those issues? How do we hmm. make uptown more livable, more dense, more walkable? How do we get more of that in areas that are perhaps a bit more affordable? I don't know if Uptown's considered affordable at this point, but West Fayetteville. And one thing we kind of talked about offline is there are some blighted warehousey areas that are still trail adjacent Mm -hmm. that if we were to build sort of a tourist loop or for people coming in or people who live here who want to maybe go visit an arts district at one point and then they want to go visit Mm -hmm. a beer district at another point or they want to go to an animal sanctuary or whatever else, but it's all bikeable or it's all accessible through this bike rental or scooter rental system. Have we talked about that as a city that you know of or through ULI, taking some of these areas that are kind of blighted and maybe not even safe at this point, Mm. but they're still trail adjacent, or maybe we could add a spur and incorporating that into some of our city planning? 
Yeah, I love that. I'm going to quickly, before I forget, go to the improvements. I would say, you know, just making it more accessible to walk around while you can be in these. It doesn't matter if it's downtown or not anywhere. Just making it more accessible for people to be in these areas. And then for as far as trail improvements go, one of the biggest things for me is... I want to see more of what we've done with the ramble. Like, mm. I know that that was an expensive project. Like, don't get me wrong. We need to get some major funders in to help with things like that. But, you know, that is one of the best uses of our trail system in this entire region. And I'm going to tout that because they have art. They have accessibility. You can have any type of bike. They have they built that ramp specifically so that anyone in a wheelchair can easily get up and down it. And it's at a lower grade so that it's not as hard. You can do a scooter, you can do a bike, you can run. There's actually gravel trails. It's like the only area in our city other than in like Mount Kessler area that has trails that are not concrete. Mm -hmm. And then there's the waterfront, which is amazing. And they they undammed it so that we could actually have a natural stream flow through there, which is so needed. And we need less dams to keep the watersheds safe. and Damn right. Damn right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then... I think my last kind of like improvement I would love to see, man, this is a simple one. And I don't know why we don't have as many of them, but water fountains. Like, oh, yes, we do not have enough water fountains yes. on our tra- Like, I will tell me how much because I'm like thinking about proposing to our city that I will like, I don't know, sponsor a water fountain. I we would sponsor a water fountain, too. Right? I'm I think so with have you. A lot of citizens do it. Yeah. So, yeah, more water fountains. Love it. Yeah. Meredith had alluded to some like warehouse districts. I would love to see those. I would love to see inventory. I would love to see somebody pull together a list of areas that could be potentially developed into really cool things. I think a really great example of that is City Park. Yes. That is one of the few that had yes. been recently developed, which that was just a old dumpy grounds, a little old warehouse. And so mm-hmm. now it's a super cool hopping, popping place, which yep. is my new little phrase today. So. And they're going to build a new trail connection next year, I know, which is awesome. So and that's good. what I keep thinking is yeah. like, as long as we make these things connected via trail, yes. people will use them. If we want to make places more desirable, like mm-hmm. put cool things in, make these attractions that maybe they are touristy in nature, but they're also going to be used by your general public like the people who live here i go to tourist things all the time because i don't know it's fun yeah and it's something to do like i want more things to do Mm -hmm. and we do have a lot here so i don't take that for granted but um just make your places more desirable do cool things have fun pop-ups showcase local artists showcase uh the people who are living here and working here and show off what they're doing i think that's how you make people want to live and work and play in an area Mm -hmm. so nice yeah In closing, we always like to ask a few questions to everybody on the podcast. And the first one is, what is one thing everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city moving forward? Use your voice. I love it. Simple, but effective. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any organizations or causes that you'd like to shout out? So a couple organizations. I would love for everybody to look at the SLS community. That is a community in really like super South Fayetteville, really like right off the interstate. But that area, it's actually near Mount Kessler, if that kind of gives people an idea. But that is going to be a living space for neurodivergent adults. And they will be able to live there and work there. And I'm hoping that they will have some more affordable housing options for the workforce specifically. So that's definitely one to be on the lookout for. It's still years out, but it's a really amazing project. 
And then I'm actually an ally for Circles NWA. Uh, it's a really amazing yes. organization that helps people get out of poverty, which I never knew as much as I know now. And please go look them up because they need volunteers. And it's just a fantastic organization to be a part of. Onboard NWA, really great friend yes. of mine, Randy, does that. And it's just so uh, cool. And that's then, a job board for anybody listening. And it's yes. awesome. And Randy is awesome. Awesome. Yes. All, all awesome stuff. And then Groundwork, they yes. are doing some really cool work, really great speaker series. A lot of their a lot of their events are free and open to the community. And you can learn a lot about a lot of the topics we talked about today. Yes. And then, yeah, Dovetail. Thank you guys so much for letting me talk a little bit about about yes. it. Dovetail is a it's a free and or paid for event. We kind of move locations. So the last time was in Bentonville, but the next one's going to be in Fayetteville. Yeah. And so we also do pop ups around the city. And we like to highlight creative entrepreneurs, local artists, people who are doing really cool work. So check it out on dovetailnba.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. I love your energy and all of your ideas. And this was kind of like a rapid fire dream session on the mics, which is pretty much my favorite type of thing to do. But yeah, we just want to thank you for sharing your insights and joining us. Nick, do you have anything else to add? No, thank you so much. Thank you, Meredith and Nick. This is fun. Thanks. Thanks.